so. Yeah, um, yeah, so uh, some of you know me for a while, some of you I haven't had the privilege of meeting, um, I get the privilege of serving this body in a few different fun ways, and one of them is with marked men, and uh, yeah, I was hoping to pace around on the stage a little bit, but uh, the Lord humbles you in other ways, and I've got this ankle bracelet of humility, and I'm on house arrest, so, um, but, uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, break your, break a leg, they say, yeah, but anyhow, um, so marked men is something that, uh, we felt so strongly that the men in our church and Everybody in our church needs to be uh, developing a closer, more intimate walk with the Lord. And part of that is through discipleship. That's the main focal point and that we can um, share life with people and go deeper, not just with the people we're hanging out with, but with uh, in our community, in our all the aspects of the inward, upward, and outward. And so... Um, as we, uh, as we started meeting and as we started going over stuff, uh, a couple verses stood out to us for sure. Matthew 28 was part of it and, and the call. But in the background of my life, I knew that I was trying to get back to um, more like a Book of Acts church and trying to live every day like I was um, 100% in and so I love our vision statement here that Meadowbrook Church exists to glorify Jesus and become more like him. And that is the goal of marked men. That is the goal of us as we are trying to constantly get closer and closer and more intimate with our creator. So I've got a couple of verses I'm going to roll through. Um, we're going to go through Matthew 28 and we're also going to run through the first two chapters of Acts. I'm going to cherry pick through there. And then, um, so we'll get into the word in a second if you want to mark your Bibles for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for scrolling on the phone for my Bible, but then Tina is such a great challenge. And so I brought the, uh, the good copy. Um, <laughs> battery life on these are way better. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyways, so we'll just bow in a word of prayer really quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us your word, giving us your, your desires for us are all laid out so perfectly and in such great truth. And so we just get to hopefully hear exactly what you want to say to us today. And so we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and this is a, a pretty focal point uh, verse for marked men. This is a focal point verse for myself personally, as I'm trying to be a Christ follower and his disciple, and it reads like this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is our calling. That is what we exist to do, right? Make disciples and bring people into the Capital C Church, into fellowship with us. And so as I'm going to continue to hammer the scripture, because I don't have a lot of time, because these guys want to share their stories as well, and you guys need to hear from them. And so we're going to move over into Acts Acts 1. So I'm going to move through Acts 1, verse 4 to 5. Alrighty. So, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so that, that gift of the Holy Spirit, we can't do this alone. We can't run this race alone. We can't hope to live up to everything Jesus taught without that great helper. And so as we're continuing on through Acts, we're going to hit uh, 6 through 8 here. Uh, so when they had met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know the time or dates, for the Father has set his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. And so that power, that authority that we get through the Holy Spirit is what Jesus was talking about. We get to uh, walk in the fullness of that. Now we're going to slide down a little bit to when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And the, uh, that's in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So immediately we get to see the disciples walking in the power of the Holy Spirit immediately when it falls on them and that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not that they didn't have uh, authority before, not that they didn't have um, all of Jesus' teaching, but God gifted us the Holy Spirit so that we could continue to walk our life out in boldness following him. And so then Peter gets up, he <laughs> speaks an amazing sermon, and we're going to jump in at the end of that and the, uh, in verse 38, chapter 238. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you 
and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. That is our gift, not just for the disciples, but for all of us. We get to be baptized into that family. We get to be baptized into that. And so the, uh, that is how the early church just springboarded with the dumping out, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And then we see that later on there were 3,000 people in that first day that got added to their number. And so then in my Bible following that, it says, there's a new heading, it says Fellowship of the Believers, so you know where my mind goes to, but uh, anyways, that's besides the point. So we're going to jump into 42, verse 42, and this will be kind of our focal point. Uh, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is how God wanted to set up his church. We get the beautiful glimpse into how they started church. They didn't necessarily call it church. They called it the fellowship of the believers. And there were, if we jump back to verse 42, we have four key points that stood out to me that uh, we get to grab onto. And so... As they, as they set up their uh, church, they jumped on to the apostles' teaching, which we have in Scripture. We have all of the apostles' teaching. Then they jumped on to fellowship. So they did life together. They weren't just, as you read through, they were eating together all the time. They were hanging out at each other's houses. They were doing life together. It said they were doing stuff daily together. Then they added in the breaking of bread. So there's something beautiful about coming together around a meal, something powerful, intimate, and the Israelites knew that. And the other thing is they, I think, did a lot of communion during this time as well. The breaking of bread, one of our amazing uh, testaments that we get to... uh, use every time we can come together we can do that and then the last thing was the uh how we can copy this model right so we have all these things and they surrounded it with prayer so all these four things that they stood on this is how they built their church and we need to model this we need to do church the way they did church. And so I realized in my life that I wasn't doing that. I wasn't living day to day like this. I wasn't having people over all the time. I wasn't investing the same way that they were investing. And so if we do this and we, okay, we're going to take these four rules and we're going to do them a hundred percent. But if we do just that, then we're a country club. We're 
we are over here on this side. We have some great close friends, but there's no moving out of it. You, you know, it's, it's, there's membership only, you know, kind of a thing. You're a country club. If you're over here and you have the Holy Spirit, but you don't have your camaraderie, your close group of people, then you're a hermit. You live in a monastery. You don't speak to anybody. So we need the marriage of these two things. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need the fellowship of the believers. We need to put those two together to replicate, to invest, to actually be able to go and have the boldness to talk to the people we are around every day. So with those two together, and so this is what the Lord was working on me a couple years ago that I did not live up to this. And so I started digging into uh, how could I change? How could I get better at this? And at that, around that time, um, George asked me, he's like, hey, Ian, there's a group of guys trying to get together, get deeper, and do all the things you're talking about. And I said, perfect, sign me up, no questions asked. And so then we started this, and it's been an amazing time. We've been doing this discipleship, in-depth look at life, trying to copy this, and uh, so at this time, I'm going to call the guys up, and they get to share a little bit. I'm going to call Courtney up as well, because without Courtney, um, we, we sit here in my living room, and uh, Courtney asks some fun questions, and Courtney is my better half um, by a long shot. And the Bible says that our wives are supposed to be our Azar Connectos, which are way more than just helpers. Uh, <laughs> It's a whole nother word study that you guys can do. But uh, anyhow, we will, uh, I'll get there. <laughs> so Courtney's going to ask us the questions, somebody to <clears throat> keep us on track. Yes, if you know me at all, I'm very good at questioning people. Uh, I think I irritate people a lot, but they get over it. Anyway, thanks for being here, guys. Um, we are going to start. We really want you guys to get a sense of what our, um, what our Wednesday nights are, and that's, that's us up there. But we're going to put that away for now. I also get to be the clicker because Ian only had one hand available to him. So, <laughs> oh. Can you just put a blank screen, Joseph? I don't know where it went to. Thank you. All right, the first question that we have is um, very basic from the beginning. What did it look like for you guys leading up to and starting this discipleship group? How did you discern that this was what God had for you for this year? Yes. Um, well, I'm Richard. And I've been going to this, attending this church for probably 14 years now. And I've been involved in youth ministry as, as a youth and then as a youth leader. I got to know both of these guys pretty well throughout youth, as a youth and as a youth leader. And uh, back in the summer of 2022, Ian wanted to go a little deeper and we started a Bible study with a couple of 
other youth leaders as well, some of my friends. And that was a really eye-opening time where I, I knew I was a follower of God. I knew I was a Christian. But I just I didn't know how to go forward. And uh, this group helped open us up to the idea of not needing to know all the answers, not, not, to, not to feel like you need to be confident all the time about your faith, but to just step out and try. And so I left that group feeling hungry for more. And then it was the first week of January, I got a call from Ian to commit to a year. <laughs> A year of going once a week, uh, hanging out and in fellowship and communion together. And I jumped in right away. I said, yes. And he said, whoa, 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 pray about it. <laughs> and so I got back to him in a couple days, and my answer was still very much yes. And I'm here. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Taylor, if you don't know. Um... Yeah, so I've been coming around here for about three years-ish, around there, four. Um, but uh, in 2022 ish there, I was, I, I, was uh, I was getting, I felt stuck. I didn't know where to, where to go. I, I knew I wanted more, and I was just kind of up in, up in the air. I was like, well, maybe Bible college is the way I want to go. And uh, Ian invited me over, and we started connecting, we started getting, uh, a, a, becoming brothers more, and I uh, started bringing him like all my problems and all my thoughts and any ideas or questions that I had, and he was great answering them and helped me out. So I brought up the idea of Bible college, and he just kind of went, yeah, that could be something you could do. And he goes, I also have this coming up, like the pipe, maybe, and it's just something to pray about. And I was like, okay. He's like, I knew full well that I was like, all right, he's hinting at it now. I probably won't get asked that question. So I was like, started praying about it immediately. And then uh, a couple months down the road, I went over again. And he officially asked me, hey, do you want to do this discipleship with me? And like, without a doubt, I was just like, yep. No questions asked. I'm in. Yep, been praying about this. So, yeah, that's how I discerned through that. For me, because I was the disciple or disciple, however you want to call it, and the finding process was so much fun. Um, like Richard said, I gathered a group of guys that, was, that were hungry and invested in digging in, and uh, we did a, just, just a quick Bible study as a large group. And from there, there were people that kept coming back to me and asking more questions and wanted more. And I was like, these are the ones they kind of, in a way, pick themselves. Um, but in the end, uh, over prayer and discerning of who it was going to be, uh, the Lord chose these guys. And it's been great. And so I'm so glad that it, uh, the Lord shuffled me down and weeded people out to be uh, the best group I could have had, so. Well, starting anything new, uh, you always have expectations, whether you mean to or not. Can you share a little bit about how the year compared to the expectations you 
thought you had? So at the beginning of the year, I knew we'd become close. I knew that uh, there'd be a lot of encouragement and stuff that would come with it. I just, it exceeded my expectations far more than I ever would imagine. I didn't expect to become part of the family. And I didn't expect to, that when I'd share something, that they would come around me and rally me and pray for me. And I'd always leave. If I'd walked in feeling rough, I'd walk out with my head held high, knowing that I had a group of people behind me that were God-filled. And they just encouraged me so much. I was, it just blew my mind. I was not expecting it. And it was so good. Yeah, very similar to Taylor. I mean, we had all known each other for a little bit already, except for Courtney. Never really talked to her. But. <laughs> it, that was the biggest surprise. <laughs> and a very welcome one. That's, that's what kind of blew me away, I think, was the, the relationship, actually, of a husband and a wife coming together for, in one. You know, Ian shared pretty, pretty early on that anything that we said to him, as long as within, within a boundary, but he was pretty open about sharing it to Courtney as well. And it was very awesome to see God's love work in there. And the love that was poured out to us right away was also... Amazing. Um, I expected it to be, we, we started out by going out to a restaurant the first night. And so, I mean, kind of what I expected was to go around the community and we, we see the community, we see each other. But it was an open home. We, we ended up going to Ian's living room pretty much every week. And there's something special when you get open, welcomed into a home week after week. And yeah, it was truly love. What I wasn't expecting was for, um, like, I was trying to be open. I was trying to be completely transparent with these guys. And I wasn't expecting to gain family um, so fast, so much. And I wasn't, like, I wanted to model or try to model the best I could how to be a good dad and how to be a good husband at the same time but the uh, they just integrated so well with just they would play with the kids and they would love on my family and we were doing life together and I didn't expect that um, to happen as to the extent that it did and so that was the biggest thing I guess for me that uh, was surprised. Um, yeah, I was trying to be open and honest at the beginning with them saying, like, I don't have any secrets with Courtney, so this is how we roll as a family. And then, um, which ended up turning into, hey, Courtney, do you want to come and pray with us during some of the evenings and whatnot? And, and then it turned into Courtney hanging out almost all the evenings. And then it turned into us getting grilled by Courtney's questions. <laughs> And so that's how uh, we got closer together. So yeah, Courtney was a, a happy bonus. 
Yeah, none of us were quite expecting me, but it was definitely a blessing. Uh, let's get a little bit deeper. Um, I would like to hear briefly, what was the biggest sacrifice that you guys had to make for this year? First, I thought it would be my time, giving up so much of it throughout the week. I, I had already seen these guys once a week, which sometimes is more than enough. <laughs> but to give them another night was, it, it turned into my favorite night of the year. And I know I came here in, in September and I shared that, that Wednesdays were what I looked forward to the most. And, the spirit was present, it was amazing. But the biggest sacrifice would be, we always talk about surrender, but it's really, when you surrender over and over to God and to, to fellowship, it's really submission. And that's what God calls us to. We don't like to hear that word. And God wants it. <laughs> it's so good when you do. Because there's so much to the other side of it that you don't see. I'd say the biggest sacrifice for me was uh, having to be completely vulnerable. Just having everything out in the open. Um, having no secrets. Um, that was definitely a hard thing to, to get used to, to doing. Um, because like at first you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm struggling with this. Hide it, hide it, hide it, hide it. And then uh, by the end of the year, I was just like, yep, here it is. Take it. Pray for me. Help. <laughs> the biggest sacrifice was it came out of left wing here. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, I knew we were going to get deeper and deeper as this went along. But it, the biggest sacrifice was at the end and the commissioning and letting them go. And I... I want them to keep replicating. I want them to keep investing in other people. And so this is, the change was so hard. I didn't think it was gonna be so hard to be, uh, go from, hey, we're gonna see each other every week. We can guarantee this like four or five hours chunk of time to hang out and do life. And then to not, uh, in exchange for better, in exchange for more kingdom, in exchange for them growing, but it was so difficult. I wasn't prepared for that um, sacrifice of giving them back to the Lord and back up into his kingdom service. Thank you, guys. On the flip side, I'd really like to hear, what was your biggest reward from the year? The biggest reward of, um, would definitely be the support and the encouragement that came along after, like, You'd share something, and there was no, never any condemnation. There was only love shown, and a lot of times it would be like, you'd share something and be like, wow, I've gone through that, or I'm struggling with that too, and it's just the support that you could just make that phone call or text, and they'd be there for you, and it was, it was amazing. And like when you're vulnerable and open, the amount of freedom that you gain is amazing. All chains are off. Like, it's brought into the light. God sees it. Other people sees it. And now you're free. The devil can't hold that against you. Biggest reward is uh, it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
a confident <laughs> friend and the fellowship of a family. Not that you guys need to have three young kids to help entertain your, your disciples when, they, when you go to their houses, but we would have lots of time to go deep, but we'd have probably like an hour or two before that <laughs> to just hang out with the kids and break bread together, have, have supper. And that, that was, it was amazing to, to be a part of the family while also being built up in God's family. So the biggest reward would have been the depth of relationship um, and the intimacy that we get through him as we are together. And um, there was a couple things that, uh, as I was reading through the Bible one day, I, I was like, oh, when Jesus was on the cross and he says, this is your mother now, this is your son now, and the relationship that he had with these people that he walked with, that he could say, here you go. And so they clicked uh, late um, that that's what I had. I wasn't ready. And that was the reward I got was I have brothers that if, if anything happens, uh, it's like, here you go. These are your uncles now. These are your brothers now. They can help. They can take that. And that's the level we, we got to get to. So, all together now, was the reward worth the sacrifice? <laughs> what is something that God has taught or revealed to you through this process? I think we all agree we kind of got a similar thing here, but it's really the, the identity that you have in, in Christ. That I am his son. He loves me. I think about uh, Paul's letter to Timothy really sticks where he's, he's sending him out and just tells him never to forget where his, where his love is placed. We may be sent out, and we all, we all got different paths to go on. But to have that constant knowledge of a father that, that loves you, a heavenly father that can protect you, who's, not, who's slow to anger and abundant in grace and love, it's, it's something you get told all the time, but it doesn't stick if you don't invite it in. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, with the identity thing. That was 100% the thing I learned the most was my identity. Uh, I had ended up standing on a bunch of scriptures, and it was fantastic. Ephesians 1 and 2 just solidify your identity. If you're struggling with that, go read that. This is just amazing. You learn that you're just a child of God. You're an heir to the throne, that you're going to be seated with him in heavenly realms and it's just amazing and then just learning like Psalms uh, 139 that his thoughts for me outnumber the grain of sand it just blows my mind it's 
I'm so grateful that I learned that this year, and it's, it's changed so much. I'm going to also say identity, but then the beautiful part of in him, I can also uh, rely on. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have everything figured out, and I don't have what it takes to lead these guys. I don't have what it takes to be the best husband, uh, the best father, but in him, I can grow that more and more, and so my identity is he doesn't look down on me at all for my uh, past mistakes and everything that I've done. It's that, that I am, again, a co-heir with Christ. So you're all talking about identity. Can you expand briefly for us on what your identity looked like when you started this versus what it looks like now? My identity, when I, or my self-talk, was the worst I've ever heard pretty much out of anyone. Uh, I'd have many people yelling at me like, hey, quit talking bad about yourself. Like, smack me up the head. They'd make me say like three good things about myself after I'd say stuff and then like my mistake was saying it in front of Courtney too and she'd be like hey <laughs> it was all out of love she loves me it's great um, but now like now like I, the only thing I say about myself is what he says about me and it's truly amazing and knowing that I'm his masterpiece and that he knitted me together in my mother's womb it's just unreal like chat about it all day so pass it over whole now and then thing is hard because it's it's a continual process of finding yourself back then and bringing you back to now and it's he's so forgiving and I looked at myself as, as sick before, where I was serving in the church, serving my friends and family, but it never felt like enough. And uh, I know now that I, I will never be enough, but Christ stood in my place already for me. And I'm, I'm washed clean. <laughs> there were so many tears this year. <laughs> and, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to cry, to, to release um, your expectations of yourself that you, you'll never meet. <laughs> Because he, he doesn't expect you to. He just, again, he expects you to surrender. The identity um, of sonship, of co-heirs with Christ, uh, also gives you uh, the authority to walk in that. And... Uh, that's where I did not have it at the beginning of the year to have now that I can walk in in co-heirship, which means I get to uh, do and own everything that uh, he has for us. And so it's, 
it changes, uh, I guess, how you look at your circumstances. It changes how you look at um, things that happen. It changes how you uh, deal with breaking your ankle. It, uh, you know, it's, again, when your identity is rooted in him, then your uh, ankle break isn't a setback. It's a, I have more God time. Thanks, guys. Okay. I got another uh, big question for you. Can you tell us about one of the hardest moments as well as one of the best moments from this past year that has had the greatest impact on your life and your walk with the Lord? For sure. During one of our prayer times, um, I was asked to search my heart for and see, see Jesus because I, I struggled with believing that he was watching me, believing that he was looking at me. And so when I was just closing my eyes, I got, I got a vision of myself as a leper, which is why I said I was sick, because my whole life I felt like I could only talk to the other sick people, the, the only other people in the, in the leper's side of the town. <laughs> and Jesus was looking at me and he asked me to, to go into the town and to declare myself clean to the priests, to the rest of the town. And I was still sick until I actually actively turned and believed in faith that I could go forward. It was hard at that moment because um, that was probably one of the, the biggest times I had to reveal myself to God and to these guys. And there was there was so much freedom there. I don't I don't know if that would be the hardest point because there was so much that happened this past year, but that definitely stands out to me the most as a turning point towards God. Well, I'll pass that over. <coughs> Clean hands. Um, really debated about sharing this with you guys. Uh, so, the one moment that was the hardest wouldn't make sense without telling you guys the other moment. So there's a moment um, at your, Ian and Courtney's place. Um, we were sitting around the dining room table, and uh, I shared with them that in the year 2024 that I had a suicide date. Um, and came around me, they prayed for me, and it was a great night. But I never broke the agreement with that date, and it came to bite me in the butt later. And it was in October-ish, around there, I don't quite remember, where I was out late with a friend, and uh, did something stupid, and I messed up, and uh, thoughts started coming in my head that were just like, 
you, you have to feel bad about this now. You have to do this. So I started condemning myself and just having those negative thoughts come in my head. And then it just took over. Um, it took over completely. And it was telling me to kill myself or it would kill everyone else around me. Now, hindsight, I know that this was very much a demonic attack. And uh, it was late. And I started around like 11.30. And I don't remember three hours of my night because I could just see those thoughts and only know those thoughts of kill myself or this is going to happen. You're useless. You're nothing. Just end it. And uh, my friend ended up making a phone call to Ian at 3 o'clock in the morning. And God woke him up. And... He pulled up immediately, brought me back to his house, and he used his authority and shut those voices up. And uh, I ended up staying the night there. Courtney made me breakfast the night next morning, made me eat. And uh, that same day after in the evening, we went uh, back and we went through deliverance, and I broke the agreement with that. Because if I didn't break the agreement with that date, it would have come back seven times stronger, as it says in the Bible, right? So, that was definitely the hardest moment, but also the best moment. Because now, that has no hold on me. And uh, I also found out that day that I have... A community around me that I can call any time of the night, any time. It doesn't matter. And they will drop anything that they're doing and come and get me. The hardest time. Um, the hardest time and the hardest parts for me weren't the big moments. Um, the hardest parts were the, the little things along the way that um, when you grow to love somebody so much, when you go to care for somebody so much, all of their hurts, you want to help fix, you know, do everything. And it's so difficult to um, try and bear other people's burdens. And that was a little bit difficult. The Another super hard part is that you know, I invited Courtney in and I asked her to help, but to uh, there were many times when Courtney's words were way more powerful than mine. There were many times when uh, I took a back seat and I had to let my pride sit and I had to let my um, I had to again just take a take a knee, take a side step, and let the Lord work the way the Lord wanted to work. And it's humbling to be um, a, a leader of something and then say, okay, well, I don't have to speak at all tonight. I don't have to. And so the process of him breaking me down um, to uh, lift him up uh, was difficult. And again, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the help of Courtney. She was very, like, she came alongside very well and was super gracious when I screwed up. And, uh, um, 
but it was a it was a gradual molding for me over the course of this year that was difficult in its entirety. Uh, I never had a one big uh, this is the hardest moment for myself. Thank you, guys. I have one last question um, before we say goodbye and as people leave here today. Um, some are maybe considering taking part in something like this or asking God what are their next steps. Um, what is one thing that you most hope that these people leave here with, leave here hearing? Just uh, build that community around you. It changes your life. If you find a safe space where you can be open and vulnerable with, um, don't be scared to be vulnerable with people. Once you find them to be safe and that they're God-fearing and they're chasing after him, they will lift you up, they will encourage you, and you get to do the same for them. Um, it's, it's a truly amazing thing. And also, learn your identity, know who you are. That's the biggest ch game changer right there. Amen. <clears throat> I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I've been saying it the whole morning, apparently, but uh, this man could have easily, when he was told he had this Sunday, he could have easily have taken the whole thing to preach a sermon to you guys. He's got a couple loaded up. Every week we'd go to his house. Um, we'd pull up four chairs plus one for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and humility was so strongly shown to me this year. I thought I was humble before. I had so much pride yet. <laughs> and I mean, it's a, it, humility is the road you got to walk on every day <laughs> and once you know you have the Lord who laid down his life for you how much more can you lay down your life really I'm gonna again I'm gonna say what they said um, know your identity Get plugged into a group of people that will lift you up, that will call you to be um, 100% sold out for him, that will call you to be further upward, inward, and outward in all aspects of your life. But at the same time, dig into the Holy Spirit. Dig into what he has for you. Learn his voice. Spend that time in silence before him. Wait for him. Talk to him. He will grow you. He will be the one that carries you along. Without the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I have none of this. This isn't, I got nothing. These people uh, never benefited really from me this whole time. They benefited from him. Okay? He benefited us. And so we get to give him the glory tonight and throughout the rest of our lives. And I, I think that if I wanted you to take home that one thing, that uh, get to know the Holy Spirit more, that's the biggest call for me. Thank you guys so much. That's the end of my questions, but I just want to add, um, it's been such a blessing and such an honor letting God um, use me to speak into their lives, but I just can't leave it without saying 
what a blessing it's been to have them speak into mine because it's not a one-way street. This isn't a Courtney's better. These guys have fed into my life and encouraged me so much, and I am so grateful for them.